Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of 321Go Podcast. I'm really excited this week to be joined by, honestly, one of my favorite people, uh, Julie Weldon. She's a part of our leadership team here at 321Go Project, and she's also contributed uh, quite a few courses to our new hub platform. Today's episode is kind of talking a lot about entrepreneurship. Uh, Julie is a lifetime serial entrepreneur, has certainly seen a lot of success and failures and brings a lot of these things to the things that she's created for 321Go Project. Uh, as I mentioned in the show, she writes a weekly blog that you should absolutely read if you consider yourself an entrepreneur. And also, she's created some really interesting courses in our hub platform that really don't exist anywhere in the gym industry. I mean, a lot of the things, a lot of the education that I see coming out of our industry is related to things like, oh, how do I get more members or how do I do a Facebook ad? And these are great things for people that are new business owners. But as you become more comfortable with some of these harder skills in entrepreneurship, I think it's important to go back and revisit things like, uh, culture and leadership and, and some of these, you know, soft skills, I guess you could say, as it relates to entrepreneurship and owning a business, sort of what I would consider to be these high value, sort of high thinking type, um, you know, issues that we come across in, in entrepreneurship like culture. And, and Julie is really good at explaining these things in terms that we all understand. Now, there's something that you hear us refer to a lot in this show, and that is the 30 for 30 challenge uh, that we'll be launching next week, uh, the beginning of October. We're challenging uh, everybody in our social networks, all the listeners of this podcast, to take 30 minutes a day for a full month to actually work on your business. Uh, One thing that I always say is work 30 minutes no more, no less. Uh, working more than that, and we tend to get almost paralyzed by all the choices. Less than that, you're probably not making any uh, measurable changes. So join us for this 30-day challenge. Uh, go to 321goproject.com backslash hub to learn more and uh, join. Uh, 30 days, you'll be surprised at the habits that you can create in your business. Enjoy the show, and we'll see you during the challenge. You're better now. All right, so let's kick this off for the 10th time. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of 321 Go Podcast. I'm Matt Scanlon. We're joined by one of our favorite guests, Julie Weldon from uh, beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. Julie, how are you? Doing awesome. It's rainy here, but it's it's good. I got a cup of coffee, so all is well. That's great. Uh, before we got cut off with some technical difficulties. We were talking about Charleston a little bit. And correct me if I'm wrong, Julie, you, you grew up in the Rust Belt, right? In the what? The Rust Belt? Uh, like Pennsylvania, didn't you? Did you grow up in Philly? Is that, Isn't that called the Rust Belt? I have never heard that in my life. But yes, I grew up there. Okay. Is it, that is so funny. Yes, I grew up right outside of Philly in Westchester. I always thought that area in between East Coast and the Midwest is was always the Rust Belt because you're not quite East Coast, right? Uh, it, yeah, no. I mean, we're probably like an hour or two from the coast. Yeah. But that's awesome. I learned something new every day. Do you know what, Julie? I would not take that as having learned something. That is, I probably made that up knowing me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I had this experience, Julie, for two years, I lived with a guy from Raleigh, North Carolina, and like country Raleigh, though, 
outside of Raleigh. And mm-hmm. while I lived with him, I picked up a lot of like y'alls and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And so, have you picked that up since moving to Charleston? I have. Well, I lived in Charlotte for 16, 16 years, uh, I guess. And, um, and I definitely easily picked up the y'all. So I definitely say that now. And you go to a restaurant here and you are called sweetie and honey and dear. And it doesn't matter your age, your sex. It doesn't matter any of that, but you're called that. Um, but I actually love that. It's endearing to me. What I have not picked up is our two words, reckon and fixin. Now, I'm not going to judge people that use them, but I have told all the people that know and love me, if I use that, ship me back to Philly for a while so I can <laughs> so I can clean up my vocabulary and then come on back down. Now, remind me again, how would you use fixin in a sentence or fixin? Oh, I'm- I mean, we're, we're fixing to get to the meat of this podcast. Okay, I gotcha. So, like, uh, getting ready to. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, people also say Mike could. Like, I might, I might could do that. And you're like, could you or could you not? I might could. <laughs> anyway, it's really, the dialect is just really funny. What I always yeah. found interesting is that, in my case, I picked up a lot of his dialect, but he, I never caught him saying, like, dudes and bro like none of that kind of stuff you know yeah it's definitely the dominant dialect i would say it is people just like it i guess they want to be a part of it (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i've I've definitely i feel like a local for sure i I, yeah I've, i've indoctrinated myself very much in southern culture well speaking of which we are fixing to get to the meat of this podcast julie so let's do it um Julie, listeners that haven't listened to, you've been on, this is your third time on, right? Mm-hmm, it is. So if you haven't caught that, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to some of uh, Julie's episodes. Uh, Julie's wildly insightful. She brings a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things uh, related to business and culture from outside of our industry, outside of uh, fitness and gym industry, and kind of brings some of those things uh, in your history to us, which I think is a hugely valuable perspective. And we talked about this in earlier episodes. Um, so without like giving your full resume again, Julie, I, I guess what I'm more interested in hearing is uh, what are some things that you brought from consulting in the, the larger corporate world uh, into now your sort of foray into the gym business? Yeah, so um, my time in consulting, <clears throat> well, first I worked um, in with high school kids, and so that was really interesting to learn how to do things on a budget. Um, that's a really important thing as a small business owner, so how to do things inexpensively but very well done. Um, so I learned that in, that in that kind of stage of my career. But going into consulting, I started at a real small firm, moved up to a regional firm, and then got recruited into PricewaterhouseCoopers. And what I love about PricewaterhouseCoopers is that you're able to come in as the expert and really help somebody get from point A to point B. What I don't love about big consulting firms is that um, it's very corporate. um, And oftentimes what happens is these like smart consultants come in and impose onto businesses things that don't even make sense, things that aren't helpful to that business because they don't know the culture of the business. And so they'll create this really great looking professional notebook of stuff 
and systems and processes and, um, you know, all these different things. And then it sits on the shelf once they leave. And that to me is such a huge, huge waste of money. And so for me, now that I've started my own small consulting firm called a Salty Rim, what we do is we come in, we mold, marry, it's a hybrid of coaching and consulting. Um, so we, we definitely help people develop strategic plans um, and, you know, everything that they need for business and help map out processes and all of that. But it's very much after we get to know the culture, after we get to know what's going to work in that culture. Um, and I think that, the, that that's an interesting thing that I've learned in the CrossFit world is you can have a mentor who's a really smart mentor and has created a great, you know, business and even businesses but what they do is they often mentor according to what's worked for them and sort of overlay, you know, their style and their preferences onto smaller rural gym owners or, you know, gym owners in a highly saturated market. And it doesn't work. Um, it, it doesn't work. And so some of it may, but overall it just, you know, it's, it's not what they need. And so I think it's really important to get to know the specific needs of the gym owner and then help them based on that. It's, it's interesting that you say, I'm just going to like give a quick example. I was talking with somebody the other day about um, her experience in fitness like 25 years ago in a small town, uh, small town, I mean, relatively speaking, a, a, a town of maybe 60 or 70,000 people. And she said, well, you know, I just walked into the Chamber of Commerce and I, I thought that was hilarious because the thought of like going to my city's Chamber of Commerce and like pulling a number and interacting with people that are paid $11 an hour to to manage that process, I'm like, who, who's going to go to the Chamber of Commerce? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, and for some people, it really actually might work if you have a strong Chamber of Commerce you know, that's really involved in the community and all of that. That might be a good thing, but for somebody like you, where you know it's not going to be helpful to your business. So somebody could, as a coach or a mentor or whatever, consultant could send you down a rabbit trail that wastes really precious, valuable time. So any challenges that you faced doing consulting, coaching for small businesses that you didn't experience with large corporations? Yeah, for sure. With a large corporation, you have a massive net to fall back on. <laughs> so, I mean, with PwC, it's one of the top four largest consulting firms in the world. And so the amount of resources that I had at my disposal was amazing. Now, doing it on our own, um, I have to do all the sales. I have to do all the networking. Or we, me and my partner, we have to do it all. And we have to sell ourselves. And then we have to deliver the product. And then when you're sitting face-to-face -face with that person, it's, we, we invest a ton of time and don't get paid what we should get paid for it. And the problem is, is because we really genuinely care about the success of that business. So with a large firm, you're never going to do that, right? You're never going to get the opportunity to just come in and help somebody because you genuinely care about their business. Um, so I think for us, the great thing is we can be really picky um, but the business that we do typically doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> um, because the thing is, is the people that need consulting and coaching the most oftentimes can't afford it. Mm. And so then it's a, 
you know, it's a, it's a battle in your own self to go, okay, I know these people really need it and I know they're really ready and ripe for it and they're hungry and they're going to do the work, but they can't pay me. And so, you know, oftentimes we'll go to a client and say, and this is not a business model I would necessarily recommend, but it's worked for us. Pay us what you can afford. It's a coaching moment to say, look at your budget, pay us what you can afford, and then add a little bit on top of it so that it's a stretch for you. And then look at us in the eye and know that as we help you grow your business, that number will increase as well. And it's, it, it's worked. Do you think that the disconnect is that the small business doesn't understand the potential value that could come out of that investment? Or do you simply think that just cash isn't there? Or both? Um, I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both. I mean, many small businesses, cash just isn't there. And so they would love to pay, you know, a chunk of change every month to get, because they see the value of that, but they really, they're not even paying themselves. And so if they're not paying themselves, they certainly can't, you know, pay, pay us. Um, so it's a, it's a catch-22 often with small businesses. They know they need the help. They just don't know, you know, can't afford it or don't know how to go about getting getting it and trusting people because people will sell you, you know, that they're the best thing since sliced bread, but then you invest this money in them and you're like, geez, that's not what I thought I was going to get at all. So, Julie, this week you wrote a blog post, um, the three words that you need to hear, and it, it really hit home for me pretty heavily and so give the listeners just a general idea of of the cliffstones version of that blog post the three thing the three words you need to hear yeah so it came out of a um it's super personal um and i really did write it for me and then hope that other people could benefit from it because for me i'm i'm a serial entrepreneur i've got a million ideas in my head of things that i want to implement and so I, if you looked up at my whiteboard, there are four, ten, ten or twelve ideas of things that I'm working on or that are, you know, I want to work on. And honestly, I'm not doing any of them well. And that got really frustrating where I got to the point where I just said, you know what? Like, Julie, do the work. Pick one thing a day and do the work. And so I really wrote it around my own experience. And after talking to many gym owners recently, um, it's the same thing. I mean, I got on one call with a guy and he said, just, it was after an hour call. And at the end, he said, tell me what to do. Tell me the top three things I need to do. And this is a smart guy. He said, tell me the top three things and I'll do them. I just need to know what to do. So I think you know, it's, oh, we just feel like we're alone, like we're the only one that's not doing the work. We're the only one that's wasting time on Facebook. We're the only one that stares at our computer screen without, like, topics for a blog, we're, you know, but we're not. Like, that's the thing. We're all in this together. And so what we're trying to do with 321 Go is create a community of accountability, you know, where people do prod each other to do the work. Like, just get it done. Like, do, just do it. One thing. Don't do 20 things today. Just do one. I think there's this weird, like, human inclination to wait for, like, lightning to strike, inspiration. You know what I mean? Just kind of waiting for these big yep. things to happen. Uh, because the reality of, like, a slow, steady drip day by day is a little uncomfortable, isn't it? Yep. 
it is really uncomfortable and it affects everything, right? So it affects your eating. It affects working out. Excuse me. Um, it affects every single part of your life. It affects how you treat your family. Um, if you just focus on one thing and do the work of doing it well, you'll find that in one month, six months, a year from now, you're at a totally different place. So it's all about, and I just listened to your podcast with um, you and Clay, which if you're listening to this podcast and you've not listened to that one from last week, oh my gosh, go back and listen to it. It is so good, but it's all about creating habits, you know, and I think anything that's done right is because it's, it's a habit that we've created and cultivated in ourselves. Um, and so I think that's what's really important and that's what doing the work is, is creating little habits that ultimately end up being really big gains. I think that uh, I'll echo what you just said. As a as a gym owner, now I I kind of look back on the last two years in my business and see kind of a snowball rolling toward me. And day by day, I never felt a snowball. I never felt anything. But uh, honestly, the thing that changed my business was taking uh, just one about 25 minute chunk every day and just doing a thing that did not necessarily need to be done that day, but something that would help me a year from that day. Um, Mm -hmm. It sucked. I'm not going to lie. That was, it was terrible to like develop that habit because there was another, there was things for that day that needed to be done. But that intentional 25 minutes of what is something I do today that will mean something exactly one year from today. Uh, Yep. And it's weird because I can't pinpoint anything that has changed my business. I can't identify a single marketing campaign or business system that I created or staff that I hired that has changed anything necessarily. But it's like that weird slow drip that has now kind of like, I've finally just now at a place where I feel like happy about things, like energetic about the future, calm for the first time in a while. Um, but I want you to speak to that a little bit more. You said you got off the phone with somebody and uh, super intelligent person. I mean, everybody that we talk to is wildly intelligent, knows this business, knows fitness. They're great coaches. Um, but yet there just seems to be, everybody has the same question. Like, what the hell do I do right now? What do I do next? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a quote that, and I always butcher it whenever I try to say it, but it's so impactful. I need to memorize the dang thing, but it's, um, that until the pain of staying the same is greater, no, until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing, you'll never change. Mm. Right. So until you get to the point where it's more painful to stay where you are than it is to take that leap and change, you're never going to change. Right. And so we create in ourselves, we create habits. We have habits. The habit is that, you know, maybe for somebody it's I check Facebook and I get stuck on there for two hours a day. That's a habit, you know, or the habit maybe is that every night I have um, a bowl of ice cream. I mean, that's a habit. Um, But what we often aren't willing to do is cultivate good habits, like of eating vegetables and, you know, eating the proper amount of protein and exercising. And it's just so interesting to me that there's a reason why the cobbler's son doesn't have any shoes, right? It's, there's a reason why that's a famous saying is because those who often teach don't do very well for themselves, right? So think about gym owners. 
Um, all they do all day long is try to teach people habits. That's all they do. That's and if they could teach them one thing, it's come to the gym on a consistent basis. And I promise you, if you do, you will see results. That's that's it. I mean, that is the bottom line. If you come consistently, you will see results. You agree with that, don't you? I mean, they will, right? 100%. That's, that's the mantra. Step in the door. Walk through the door. I hear every gym owner say it every day. Yeah. So why doesn't... So that's, that's all they say, and that's their whole... That, that's their whole shtick. Um, but the problem is, is then when it comes to their business, which is the thing that's going to propel them to help more people create habits, they don't create habits, mm. right? And with our business, we don't create habits. And I think for you, I mean, it's interesting you say you don't really know what you've done differently. It's, it's about the attitude of, I'm done. Like, I'm tired of running this, you know, in a half-ass way. I'm going to get serious about my business because it's my livelihood. You know, one one um, client that I talked to, it, he it was such an inspirational conversation because he said, um, he, he talked about some of his past and then he said, his whole thing in getting fit is not for the 20-minute workout that day because if, he, if it was that, he would never go. But he made a promise to his dad that he would stay healthy for the rest of his life. And so for him... You, what you have to do is you have to get the bigger picture of why I'm doing this. Why, listeners, why are you creating a business? It's so that you can have sustainable income to support your family or your future family or whatever it is to support your kids, maybe to grow something that you can pass on to your kids. But there's a reason why you're doing it, and it's not just because you want to help people. I believe you do want to help people, and that is an awesome, noble goal but it's so that you can have something sustainable that will, that will last and that you'll, I mean, that will grow, you know, that article that you just sent today, Matt, I read it. It's awesome. But one of the quotes in there was 85% of small businesses will fail. That is a staggering statistic. But the thing about it is, is those 85% of people had all the exact same resources than the, that, than the 15% that succeeded. They just didn't utilize them. They just weren't disciplined enough to go, you know what? I'm done. I'm tired of running a half-hearted business. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day, and I'm going to work my tail off so that I don't have to work 15-hour days. I'm going to work hard in eight so that I can work eight, and I'm going to recruit the people that I need to recruit and I'm going to do only the things that only I can do, and I'm going to delegate the rest. I'm going to start looking in my gym and hiring people at $10 an hour on the things that I don't need to be doing. But what we do is we go, you know what, it's okay. Like I'm just going to go out and clean the floor. Why in the world would a gym owner clean the floor? Maybe first starting out, I get it. But you have got to think bigger as a gym owner if you want to if you want to be in the fifteen percent that makes it. One thing that you mentioned in there, Julie, was helping people. I I, I think that if we were to take a poll of what well, hell we have taken a poll of a thousand gym yeah. owners and ask them why did you get into this, everybody says helping people. Uh, related to that article that I sent you, uh, listeners, the name of it is. Um, uh, don't call or stop calling yourself an entrepreneur. Or don't call yourself an entrepreneur. 
Uh, it made its way through social media, so I'm sure you've seen it at this point. But the essential gist of the article is that entrepreneurship sucks. It's it is a slog. It's a grind. There's yeah. no bones about it. We're you know what, Julie? We're in this kind of weird time right now, where sort of every millennial that has a that's purchased a URL is calling themselves an entrepreneur. I think that we're like Mark Zuckerberg has ruined what it actually takes to grow a business for us. Um, there's no IPO. There's, there's no IPO yeah. site. It's it's a miserable long slog, and and there, like you said, there has to be a purpose greater than simply helping people because you can help people as a coach. You do not yeah. need to go through this misery of business ownership to actually help people. So, I love that your call was. Think about your family. Think about your future. Think about passing this thing on. Think about your employees because that's sort of this greater purpose uh, yeah. that that we're talking about here. Um, yeah. Well, I think Matt, just to, um, so you can you have you can set out to do a couple of things, right? You can set out to build a shack, um, and it's gonna. I mean, I've, I've traveled to developing countries, and they live in these tiny, teeny, tiny shacks that are dirt floors and it's there's a toilet in there maybe but there's no plumbing so I'm not sure what the purpose of the toilet is but um, but so you can set out to build a shack and it will there'll be a roof over your head but it's it's not sustainable at all I mean it'll fall down and you'll have to go get other material and kind of hodgepodge it on and you know or you can say you know what it's gonna take me a lot longer it's gonna be a lot harder because I'm not experienced to build a real house, but I know that I can get in touch with people who are experienced to do that, right? And so it depends on what you want to build. And that's what an entrepreneur has to answer. What do I want to build? Do I want to build something lasting and sustainable that's going to make it through a hurricane? Or am I okay with just building a little, you know, hapshad, like shack that um, I'm going to call home? Um, and that's the real difference between successful entrepreneurs and people who just hang a, sh- hang a shingle out, I think. It, it's a gut check as, as well yep. because, you know, the, the former, that building a shack is cleaning your floors, scrubbing your toilets, coaching your classes. Uh, the latter is, you know, you know, one thing. So when I interviewed Ben Bergeron, he, he talked about, one day he looked up from his business and realized he didn't have an organizational structure. And by not having an organizational structure, he realized that he didn't have a business. And that's that's kind of the difference here. It's that gut check yeah. of what do I actually have? Do I have a job or is this actually right. a business? Right, right. Almost every gym owner that I talk to, I say, do you have processes in place of the things that you're doing in your gym? Nope, but I know we need it. So if you know you need it, why don't you have it? You know, I mean, there's a, there's a point where we can be kind all day long and say, well, it's okay, you know, it's okay. We're not going to hold your feet to the fire. Honestly, I think in CrossFit right now, people's feet need to be held to the fire. Build a real business. Mm. Stop twinkle-footing around and having a job and build a real business. Put systems in place Set aside time every single day to work on building your processes. Every day. Like, that's the thing. But people just go, well, I don't really have time because I'm coaching. Well, start hiring coaches so that you can work on your business and build a business. Mm. 
I'm not saying it all has to be done tomorrow. I need to take a breath because I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> I really am. And I'm sorry. <sighs> okay. I just need to, but really it's, I, and I'm not being tough because I want to be tough. I'm being tough because I want to see these businesses succeed because it's people's families that are at stake. It's the coaches' families that are at stake. We're, they're depending on these businesses to be successful. So stop saying, oh, okay, I'll get to it. I know I need that, but I just don't have time. That's part of the impetus for that article. Do the freaking work, you know? Don't And don't feel like you have to do it all tomorrow, but start. Make a list of all the processes that need to be mapped out and then check them off one by one. And within a month, you're going to have an entirely built out processes for your gym. And that's awesome. And I love this idea of the actual doing the actual work. Uh, I see all the time and it just honestly, Julie, it's, it's, it's coming to the point where it, it's getting a little unnerving and unsettling to me to where a, a business owner will need something like, a, let's just say a process or a coach's expectations and their first place that they go is like the internet to strangers. Hey, will you give me your fill in the blank? And to me, there are definitely places where you need to get a template for something or you need to seek out uh, an attorney to write up a contract for you. I'm not saying these things, but what I am saying is by your first inclination to go outside yourself, you're missing the actual work of creating the habit. If you just take a stab at it for 30 minutes and then stop after 30 minutes, the next day take another 30-minute stab, the next day it, it becomes this sort of critical mass, this snowball effect after several months to where you're like, oh, I can do anything now because yeah. I've taken a stab at it. And that's the important work in my opinion. Yeah, so so I agree with you with a caveat. Mm -hmm. um, so my, there's a couple different personalities in how you learn and how you create. So some people create awesomely with a blank slate, like a blank canvas, right? And then let me get all of my creativity on that blank canvas. Other people create better with paint by number. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where you give me the form, you give me the structure, and then let me get creative with the colors that I use, you know? And so that's more me. So if you give me a blank slate, I'm going to go cross-eyed 10 times, you know, a day. Like, I'm, it's just, I don't do well with that. But the problem with the people like me is that then we'll do what you're saying, where we Google the heck out of something, and four hours later, we're like, well, shoot, we're no farther than we were four hours ago. Because then it's information overload, and now you're paralyzed by the information, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it's it's okay to need to need a jumping off point. It's okay to need a foundation to create from. Um, but if but don't allow yourself to get paralyzed by so much information that's out there online because everybody's opinion is different. Everybody would do things different. Uh, I love these like unintentional uh, segues into <laughs> what we're actually here to talk about. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've talked about it uh, a ton in, in all of our blog posts and on the podcast. I've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, but Julie, I would like to hear from you 
regarding our Momentum Hub platform and kind of why you're excited about this and specifically as it relates to these different personality types, these sort of blank canvas people and the paint by numbers people. Um, yeah, so you're talking about Hub? Correct. Okay. So yeah, so with the Hub, the Hub was really born out of um, a desire to reach people right where they are at a price point that they could afford. So, you know, everybody says that we're, you know, their service is the best that's out there. Um, I don't necessarily believe that our, that 3 2 go is for everybody. And I'll get on discovery calls and I'll point people in other directions to different companies who can serve them better. So this is really, this is not a plug for how awesome 3 2 go is. I do think we're great. I, I mean, I do think that the services we offer are legitimate and they really work if people do the work. Um, but Hub was really born out of a desire to knowing that gyms who are really struggling don't have money, don't have a ton of money to hire a mentor or hire a coach or hire, you know, this big marketing strategy to come in and, you know, change everything that they do. Um, but they can afford a little bit of money. Maybe it's a sacrifice, but paying for something that's a sacrifice is a good thing because you'll value it more. Um, and so Hub was born and we kept whittling down the price and whittling down the price not to be a commodity at all and not to lower the entry, you know, lower like what's valuable. We really believe that we are giving you $500 a month worth of stuff, at least in the Hub. And we're charging $49 a month very purposefully because we want it to be accessible to everyone. Um, and we want it to be accessible so that people can take the necessary steps to do the work and learn what they need to do and grow their gym so that then they can afford hiring a mentor, right? And hiring somebody to get them to the next level. Um, but Hub really meets you exactly where you are. If you're a brand new affiliate who's just starting up, it meets you there. If you're successful and running 10 gyms, it meets you there. So we talk about things such as like checking the health of your business. We've got courses coming out on creating Facebook ads. We've got courses coming out on how to wow your customer, on how to set your pricing, um, on like one that's in there is creating a culture. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people will say they know how to like, they know what their culture is, but then when you really drill it down with them, they would not be able to tell you what's involved in that. Mm. And so the courses that we've that we're creating, um, accounting 101. Goodness gracious, we all need accounting 101. Unless you're a finance major in college, I mean, if unless you love numbers, you do not like numbers, and I do not like numbers. And so accounting 101 is great for me to watch ten times, let alone once. So <clears throat> anyway, so that's really what the hub was intended to do: is to be bite-sized you know, 10-minute snippets of video that people can sit and watch and take one takeaway from it and apply it to their business that day. That's it. We don't want you to go through a two-hour course. We want you to watch a 10-minute segment, go away, apply one thing to your business, and then go to, you know, the next day and apply one more thing to your business. A lot of really interesting things in what you just said, Julie. Um, the first of that is that as business owners, we're always... <coughs> We're always stuck between, I've got a problem I need to solve right now, such as I've got an event coming up. I would like to advertise this event on Facebook. 
I have no idea how to do the Facebook ad. Now, if I enrolled in like a six-month course or mentoring program, like, okay, at what point do we solve the problems that are coming up day to day? So that's one of my favorite things about Hub is that you're, you can get an education while simultaneously solving uh, more immediate problems. Um, yep. Secondly, and I, I would imagine you saw this a lot in the consulting world, there's this interesting... Uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily a sales tactic, but I see a lot of times these things like they're they're like masterminds and seminars for small businesses, and they have an insane price point on them. Like, uh, let's call it a ten or fifteen thousand dollar mastermind that you become a part of as a small business owner, and it's weird because the there's nothing wrong with this, but. Um, it, it is almost like if somebody's going to invest ten thousand dollars in something, that person would probably have been successful regardless, because they're thinking in those terms. That's not to say that the assistance that they receive in the mastermind is not beneficial, but it's almost like pre-selecting people that would otherwise be successful. And there's a lot of things like that out there for gym owners, but. Just like you said, with Hub, there's nothing out there right now that is sort of meeting the struggling business owner right where they are. Mm -mm. No, no. But my biggest thing is I'm going to say, I'm going to say it out loud. Do not get a membership to the Hub if you're not going to use it. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you're not going to be a committed business owner um, who's going to utilize the tools and resources. I mean, there are there are T-shirt designs in there that one t-shirt design alone would be $150, mm -hmm. right? I mean, to get somebody to design a t-shirt for you that's that looks good, I mean, it's 150 bucks. And so when you, and then you add the stock photos in there, and then you add the templates in there, and then you add the courses in there. I mean, one course, you know, it, <laughs> you look online at what one online course is. I mean, you're in the hundreds of, hundreds of dollars, mm -hmm. and yet we're providing this resource for people. But the biggest thing is, Use it. Use it. Set aside time every day or, geez, at least once a week to go into Hub and find out what's there. New things are going to be added every month. It is a killer, killer resource. But honestly, we do not want people's money if they're not committed to growing their gym. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not, we're not snake oil salespeople. You know, I, like, I'd rather us have 100 people in Hub who are actually using it and changing their gym and changing this industry than a thousand people in hub, 900 of which couldn't give a rat's, you know, mm -hmm. behind. So, yeah. I want to talk about your courses specifically, Julie. Um, what are some courses you have in there right now? And what are some courses that you have in the works? Yeah. So two courses I have in there right now. One of them is what the heck does it mean when somebody says work on your business versus work in your business. So <clears throat> just a, a story of how that course evolved. So working in consulting, I came up and I really shouldn't have gotten the job with PwC. I mean, by my resume, I, whatever. I, you know, I, I faked it till I made it. Um, and so I would be sitting at the table with, you know, around big boardroom tables with high executive people and they'd be throwing out all these terminologies that I would just shake my head and then I'd go back to my car and I'd Google the heck out of it and go, okay, yeah, all right, I know what that means. Um, and so for me, what gets thrown around a lot with small businesses is work, you need to be working on your business versus working in your business. Mm -hmm. 
And so to me, what I wanted to do was just boil that down into what are the 10 things when you say working on your business, what are those 10 things that that means? And so that's that course. Um, and then the second course is, a, is, is building um, how to create a con- contagious culture. Um, and so it's very specific, gets into tactical things, um, but also um, you, you um, look at the different components of what a contagious culture involves. And so that's how to create a contagious culture. The one that I have in the works right now um, I'm actually really excited about all three of those. These, so I'm not really sure which one I'm more fired up about. But I'm really juicing, like jonesing over this one that I'm creating now, which is how to wow your members. Mm. Um, because I think that um, you know we got on a call and said to a bunch of gym owners and said, "How are you wowing your customers?" And I think a couple people were able to answer that. So unless you're very purposefully thinking about the entire customer or member journey from the time that they discover you, either through a word-of-mouth referral or finding you online or whatever, to the end, the last day that they walk out of your door and say, I'm done, for whatever reason, if, unless you think about that entire process, you're probably not wowing your customers. And so if you're in business and you want to differentiate yourself from the, one, the guy down the street... You've got to think about wowing your customers. And so this course is super exciting because we get into really like practical things of, okay, how can you wow? How can you really stand out your service and not just satisfy your members, but make them have wow experiences? Mm. I, I'm really excited about that one as well. I think we tend to default into, oh, coaching and programming. Like this is how we wow people. Uh I just sent I just got I just did my annual member survey and was very surprised or not surprised. I intuitively knew the things that people found important um when first joining a gym or why they stick around and it's coach you know th- this idea of like the programming that you offer eh, I don't know that people really are t- as wowed by that. That's more of a you know kind of an ancillary feature of what you offer. Yeah. Um Yeah, you know what, and so really quickly an example. So in our think tank group, um, Ashley, um, one of our coaches, just put up that she got her her cert, I think her cert renewal or something, and she said that they went around at the end of class and they talked about one thing that each person um, took away from that class. And she said the difference that that made in the community feel, but also the way that her members were engaged, but also how she felt about each of those members was just huge. And so it's things like that where, yeah, you can do a great class, you can do great coaching, but to take it to the next, that's satisfying your customers. They expect to have great coaching, you know, but taking it to the next level are little things like that that don't cost you a dime more, um, but that really help you engage on a different level with your members. So things like that will be what's going to be in this course. I like that. Julie, I want to wrap up this conversation, uh, how we started discussing habit. Um, We're simply asking people for 30 minutes a day, working on your business, have some direction, bite-sized chunks, don't try to turn things around in a day or even a week, just little tiny things. Um, So I'm I'm going to call you out, Julie, right now, and ask for something from you. You said you have the, a whiteboard of, yeah. um, you know, 10 or 12 different things. I, I would like you to discuss 
ways that you are committing to um, this idea of habit and direction in your own life? Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love this. So um, the what we started out by talking about local Charleston living, for me, I'm, I have a million things within 321 Go because I'm so passionate about 321 Go. But the one thing that I want to talk about is local Charleston living. Um, it's a, it's an idea. I mean, it's a concept, um, but it's something that I know can be successful. And so one of the things that I want to do is I want to create a podcast around it because I want to highlight the people that are in Charleston to give their businesses more exposure. And so for me, I've set a goal, um, that I will have reached out to a list of 20 people, um, by next week. Um, and ask them if I can interview them on, on a podcast. Um, and so for me, that's really scary because I've never done a podcast before. Um, I don't know what equipment to get, clearly, by the beginning of our conversation here. Um, and so I need to make all this happen. And so what I've done is um, the habit of sitting down for a chunk of time each day and just focusing on local Charleston living. Because I know it can be something, and but I need to do the work, you know? And so for this podcast, it's putting the names out there and giving myself a timeline, a deadline that says, by next week, these people will have heard from me. And then I have, you know, I have people that keep me accountable um, and say, by Wednesday, I will send them an email. So that's what you need to do. That's what I have to do. I have to set a deadline and then say, by this time, it will be done. Mm. Um, and so that's a, that's a, I don't know if that's necessarily a habit, but it's a discipline for me that if not, three weeks will go by, four weeks will go by, and I'll still sort of be in the same place. Um, because I'll get lost in Google land of <laughs> researching. <laughs> Julia, I definitely appreciate that uh, very candid commitment uh, on air to a lot of people. <laughs> Please, I know. <laughs> no, uh, I'll, I'll make a commitment to you. If you uh, send me a Slack after this with your mailing address, and I will send you uh, an extra podcast microphone that I have sitting around. To you and... are a rock star. <laughs> that is awesome. Now I can't. Now I can't not do it because you've like you've invested in it. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Listeners, uh, keep, Julie is everywhere. Um, she writes a weekly blog for us at 321goproject.com. Her courses are in the hub, 321goproject.com backslash hub. Where else? Local Charleston Living, uh, a salty rim as well. So uh, go check those things out. Uh, we'll link to them in the show notes. Julie, thank you so much for uh, being really generous with your time. Uh, thank you so much for your passion as well. I love it like when you get fired up and uh, it's it's uh, contagious. It gets me really excited. So uh, I probably should like take a Xanax before these calls or something. It, it may, <laughs> so it, I apologize ahead or like after the fact to listeners if I've like stressed you out on your on your uh, ride to work. But. No, we we need it. We need a kick in the ass every once in a while. Um, Julie, enjoy the rest of awesome. your rainy Charleston afternoon and uh, we'll talk to you again soon thanks matt really appreciate you as a reminder friends go to hub.321goproject.com to get in on the 30 for 30 challenge uh, we'll love to see you there